Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to talk about dogs. Dogs have been an important part of Canadian history from the very beginning. The first dogs to arrive in Canada came from Siberia over 12,000 years ago. They were used for hunting, pulling sleds, and as companions for the indigenous people who made their way across the Bering Strait. In the 17th century, European settlers brought dogs with them as well. And like the indigenous people, they relied on their dogs for companionship, hunting, and protection. Dogs have been some of Canada's most beloved heroes. In 1909, a Labrador retriever named Polar Bear helped the explorer Robert Perry reach the North Pole. In 1916, Canadians were captivated by the story of Bruno, a sheepdog who was rescued from war-torn Europe and refused to eat after his person passed away. In 1941, a Newfoundland named Gander saved the lives of several Canadian soldiers during the Battle of Hong Kong. Over the centuries, dogs have served Canadians in an ever-expanding variety of ways. Today, they work in law enforcement, detect cancer and COVID, help find missing children, and enable the blind to get around. But for most Canadians, dogs are much more than just working animals. Their loyalty, friendship, and unconditional love have made them part of our families. Countless dogs are beloved characters in Canadian art and film. Their stories have been told by such noteworthy authors as Farley Mowat, Lucy Maud Montgomery, and Stephen Leacock. They can make us laugh, they comfort us, they remind us of our better angels, of what our character could be, and perhaps that is why we love them so much. Which brings me to my puppy, Boris. Boris is a 10-year-old Irish setter, Newfoundland cross, the same breed as Gander, actually. Recently, he began hacking up his food. His bark became raspy, and he's having trouble breathing deeply, so I took him to see the vet. Boris has the canine version of Lou Gehrig's disease. His spinal cord will slowly degenerate, and over the next one to three years, he'll progressively lose control of the muscles he uses to play, bark, eat, and breathe. There is no cure, and the cause remains unknown, but there is a way to slow it down. With the laryngeal paralysis, Boris needs surgery. 
Without it, his constricted larynx will get worse faster and he may pass away in only a few months. The problem is the surgery costs $5,000, which is well beyond what I can afford. So I'm asking for your help. I've set up a GoFundMe to pay for the vet. If you'd like to contribute, just click the link for Boris Fundraiser in my show notes. And if you've donated already, thank you. If you've shared, thank you as well. Thank you for helping us get a few more precious years together, because it means the world to us both. And I want to say a very special thank you to Andrew. What I just read was written by him. He's a fantastic copywriter, and he was able to do this for me so that I could get the word out on my dog. So if you want to visit his website, go to sublimelime.ca, and that's two limes. That's sublimelime.ca. They were one of the most successful hockey clubs in the early history of Canada, and if not for an unfortunate event, perhaps there would have been an original seven era, rather than original six. While the team is long gone, for a time it was a hockey dynasty with some of the greatest players to ever play the game lacing up their skates and wearing the team colors. Today I am looking at the Montreal Wanderers. Since the earliest days of hockey in Canada, there have been a team with the name Wanderers. Typically these teams only lasted for a year or so before folding. The first was part of the historic Montreal Winter Carnival Hockey Tournament in 1884, while another was around in 1893. A third appeared in 1895 and a fourth appeared in 1897. The team I'm talking about though began in 1903 when James Strachan formed the club and gave it the red and white colors. Strachan had formed the club over a dispute he was having with the Montreal Hockey Club over control of the club. Years down the road in 1909, Strachan would talk to Ambrose O'Brien out of Renfrew, Ontario, whose father had made a fortune as a railway contractor. He would say, quote, A club composed entirely of French-Canadian players in Montreal, with its 70% French-Canadian population, is bound to be a success. End quote. By the end of that year, O'Brien had financed a new team, the Montreal Canadiens. Going back a little bit, we're back to 1903 when the Wanderers were rejected for membership in the Canadian Amateur Hockey League. So, along with the Montreal Hockey Club, they would form the new Federal Amateur Hockey League on December 5, 1903. The early Montreal Wanderers team was formed from several players from the Montreal Hockey Club that had won the Stanley Cup earlier that year. By the end of the season, the team had finished with six wins and no losses, earning first place in the league. The team also had a mascot at the time, a monkey named St. Nick. The monkey wore the uniform of the Wanderers and was often let loose on the ice between periods to create amusement for the fans. On March 2, 1904, the Montreal Wanderers played in their first Stanley Cup challenge against the Ottawa Hockey Club. The game finished in a 5-5 tie, but the Wanderers refused to continue the series unless they could play in Montreal. This was refused and Ottawa was awarded the Stanley Cup out of forfeit. The Montreal Gazette wrote, quote, The Wanderers yesterday declined to go to Ottawa because the champions would not again come to Montreal to replay the draw game of Wednesday night. The Ottawa people professed to regard the actions of the Wanderers as unsportsmanlike, end quote. These two teams would have a massive rivalry between each other over the next decade. From 1904 to 1911, the two teams won every single Stanley Cup challenge except for one in 1907, when the stacked Kenora Thistles won the Stanley Cup briefly. In 1905, the Wanderers would join a new league, the Eastern Canada Hockey Association, with other teams in Ontario and Quebec. 
The Montreal Gazette wrote, quote, Early in the afternoon, the coup was executed at a secret meeting held in the arena, where the first steps were taken to set foot on the oft-mooted project of a six-club combination, end quote. In 1906, Ottawa and Montreal met again to play a two-game total goal series for the league championship and the Stanley Cup. The Wanderers were captained by Lester Patrick, who would say there was no better hockey team than the Wanderers of 1905-1908. In the first game, the Wanderers won 9-1. The Regina Leader Post reported, quote, The biggest hockey surprise of the season was pulled off before 7,000 people when the Wanderers defeated Ottawa in the first of the home-and-home games. The home team played rings around the champions, and it was soon evident they were out there to win. The Ottawas, during the first half, were curiously indifferent and overconfident, and in the last, it was too late to pull out a victory. End quote. Ottawa came back to dominate the next game 9-3. Since the Wanderers had two more goals in the series, they won the Stanley Cup. Calgary Alberton wrote, quote, The Ottawas defeated the Wanderers in the Stanley Cup match last night by a score of 9-3 in the most sensational match ever witnessed, as the aggregate of goals in two matches decided the honour. The Wanderers were able to defend the Stanley Cup in their first challenge, but they would lose the Cup to the Kenora Thistles in January 1907. The Thistles had hired Art Ross and Joe Hall, two future Hall of Famers, to play for the team, although Hall would not play any games for the Thistles. Excitement was high in Montreal for the series, but more subdued than was seen in the Ottawa vs. Kenora series. The Montreal Gazette stated, quote, There has been a steady sale of tickets for the games, but it has not so far reached proportions of the demands for the Ottawa contest. End quote. At this point, the Thistles were favorites to win the Stanley Cup. In their first game, Tommy Phillips scored all four goals in the 4-2 win for the Thistles. The Montreal Star reported, quote, the speed of the Kenora Thistles won for them the first match. They skated circles around the Wanderers, but the latter showed more finished play, one of the finest and cleanest ever played for the Stanley Cup. End quote. Writing about Phillips, the star wrote, quote, Phillips seemed to go so fast that the others could not keep up with him and were not there to take the puck as it was brought down to the Wanderers' nets. Therefore, Phillips did the scoring himself. End quote. On January 21st, Phillips scored another three goals as the Thistles won 8-6, capturing the Stanley Cup. The Winnipeg Tribune would describe the scene when the Thistles won, stating, quote, If pandemonium had broken loose, there would not have been while the scenes and followed the wonderful finish of the challengers and now Stanley Cup holders. The victorious Thistles were carried off the ice while friends of the Wanderers gathered around the team to give them a parting cheer as the holders of the Stanley Cup, end quote. Two months later, the Wanderers regained the Stanley Cup from the Thistles to win their second Stanley Cup. Instead of the series being played in Kenora, as would have been tradition, as they were the current Cup champions, the games were played in Winnipeg since there would be greater revenue there. In the first game on March 23, 1907, the Wanderers won 7-2. The Thistles came back to win 6-5 the next game, but lost 12-8 the following game. The Winnipeg Tribune would write, quote, it was a decisive beating that the Eastern Challengers handed out to the pride of the West, for they excelled the cup holders in every way. As regards speed, team play, stick handling, and generalship, they left not the faintest shadow of a doubt as to what was the better team on the ice. End quote. Thus ended the two months of time when the Kenora Thistles would claim to be Stanley Cup champions. This is the shortest amount of time a team has ever possessed the Stanley Cup. Even though the team had lost the cup, they didn't actually give the cup to the Wanderers. It would take until May for the Stanley Cup to be given over to Montreal. It was believed the engraving was taking longer than expected. William Jennings, secretary of the Wanderers, stated, quote, 
We are not worrying about it. It is some two weeks over the engraving time, and it is still probable that it is due to the engraving the plate for us. End quote. Eventually, the Wanderers received the Stanley Cup, and they were the first team to have their names carved into the cup in what is now a yearly practice. Between 1904 and 1907, the Wanderers had finished first three times and second once in the league. In 1908, the team won its third consecutive league title and were able to defend the Stanley Cup that year, earning technically their third Stanley Cup in the process. At the end of the season, due to their dominance, the team was given the Arena Cup, the league championship trophy, permanently. That trophy is now at the Hockey Hall of Fame. The 1908 squad of the team featured five future Hall of Fame players in Moose Johnson, Hod Stewart, Riley Hearn, Lester Patrick, and Ernie Russell. Then the team was sold to P.J. Doran, who also owned the Jubilee Rink. Before the 1909 season, Montreal was able to defend its Stanley Cup against the Edmonton Hockey Club, but they would soon lose their Stanley Cup, ending a two-year hold on the trophy. Since the Wanderers were now playing in the smaller Jubilee Rink versus the Montreal Arena, the other members of the ECHA would receive a smaller share of proceeds from games played in the Wanderers' rink. The members of the ECHA then suspended the league and set up the Canadian Hockey Association League and rejected the Wanderers for inclusion. The representatives of the Wanderers then met on the ground floor of the hotel where the other team owners were meeting. They met with the owners of the Renfrew Creamery Kings and they suggested forming their own league with teams from Cobalt, Hillybury, Montreal and Renfrew. This was agreed to, and on December 4, 1909, the NHA was formed. In January 1910, the Canadian Hockey Association League folded, and Ottawa and the Montreal Shamrocks joined the new NHA. The Halifax Evening Mail wrote, quote, This change was brought about by a split in the ranks of the Montreal Wanderers. For some time, the pot of dissension had been boiling over. The real trouble, might be said, arose over a question of ranks. End quote. In 1910, the Wanderers won their fourth Stanley Cup in five years, technically becoming a dynasty, but it's not recognized as such since it predates the NHL. This would be the last great season for the team, when they finished with 11 wins and one loss, earning first place in the NHA. The team would be bought by Sam Lichtenhain, who owned the Montreal Royals. Unfortunately, the team would hit on hard times from this point on, and they would miss the NHA playoffs four seasons in a row after their Stanley Cup win. They would have one winning season in 1914-15, but over the course of the next two seasons, they won only 15 of 44 games. The Montreal Wanderers then joined the new NHL in 1917-18, but their time in the league was short. In the first month of the new league, the team lost Sprague and Odie Cleghorn to other teams, but gained future Hall of Fame goaltender Hap Holmes. Then, on January 2nd, 1918, their home rink, the Montreal Arena, burned to the ground. After the fire, the team called for new players, but none came, and they would default on their next two games. The team then disbanded, having played only four games in the NHL. The Vancouver Sun reported, quote, Sam Lichtenhain, president of the Montreal Wanderers Hockey Club, this morning announced the resignation of his team from the National Hockey League, submitted at a meeting of the directors last night, and refused was final. He intimated that the club's players were disbanded today and given their releases outright. End quote. By the time the team disbanded, Lichtenhain was losing $15,000 per season on the team, including $30,000 in 1917 18 alone. Oddly, Lichtenhain was no stranger to fires. His family lost their department stores in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, causing them to move to Montreal. He then lost the Wanderers Arena, and fires destroyed the baseball park of the Royals twice and another fire destroyed one of his businesses later on. 
The last active Wanderers player to play in the NHL was George Duran, who played his last game in 1926. And while the team's time was short, its mark on hockey history was large. Beyond just helping to form the NHA, which would lead to the NHL, the Wanderers won or defended the Stanley Cup an astounding 10 times in their first seven years of existence and only lost two direct challenges, their first in 1904 and another in 1907 against Kenora. Over the course of the team's existence, the team played 212 games, winning 122 and losing 90. The team would score 1,188 goals in its existence and be scored on 1,045 times. Arguably, the team's best season was 1907 when they won 10 games and lost none and successfully took the Stanley Cup back from Kenora. The team's worst season was likely 1916-17 when they won two games and lost eight. In the team's last nine seasons, they won 63 games and lost 81. But if we take out the team's seasons from 1910-11 to 1917-18 when they only made the playoffs once, the team's record would be an unbelievable 59 wins and only 9 losses. In the team's history, 16 players made it to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and some of their players were among the best to ever play the game including Sprague Cleghorn, Lester Patrick, and Art Ross. Of those Hall of Famers, 10 played for the team during its dynasty years from 1904 to 1910. The first player to be inducted from the team was Hod Stewart, who was one of the first nine players inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1945. The last player to be inducted was Gordon Roberts in 1971, five years after he had passed away and over 50 years since the Wanderers had last played a game. And one interesting fact I will end the episode on is that in 1963, four of the players inducted had played for the Montreal Wanderers. That class of inductees was actually quite large, the largest ever inducted, with 20 people being enshrined in the hall. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at the Montreal Wanderers. Next week, we're looking at the first ever All-Star Game. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Prignitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Our History Montreal Canadiens, Canadian Encyclopedia, McLean, Sports Team History, Wikipedia, Montreal Gazette, Ottawa Citizen, Edmonton Saturday News, Halifax Evening Mail, Vancouver Sun, and the Regina Leader. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.